Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. So good to have you with us. As Pastor Dave and Zach mentioned just a few moments ago, we have a lot planned for today, so we need to get right into it. In just a minute or two, I'm going to show you a list of 10 COVID-19 words that people never want to hear again. I mean ever again, and I'm sorry I'm going to bring it up today. Uh, 10 annoying, irritating words. But just before I show you the list, what I want you to do is turn to the person next to you and see how many of these words we can come up with on our own. And with social distancing, definitely on the list, you might have to speak up a bit. But again, name a few of these words or terms that social media, news media, and pandemic uh, task force people have abused and used and repeated over and over again. Go ahead, have at it. Some of you not participating, you can't even get it out of your mouth. Yeah, I, I've heard a few already. Okay, you should have mentioned a few of them anyway. Um, let's take a look at the list. Unprecedented or uncertain times, social distancing, New normal, right? Essential, mask or masking, vaccine, cancel culture, flatten the curve was number eight, quarantine or self-isolate, number nine, and finally the last one, we're all in this together. I'll be the first to admit that I've pretty much had it up to here with most of these terms. And from my perspective, saying this as diplomatically and as sensitively as I can, it's definitely time to move on. Anybody agree? Okay. However, that last phrase, we're all in this together, now that's a concept that you will hear or you will read throughout the scripture. It is a profoundly significant mindset, especially during a crisis or special project. We're all in this together. In Psalm 133.1, David wrote, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. David goes on to say a little bit later on in that same psalm, that's where God commands or charges his blessing, even life forevermore. So the favor of God is found in the place of unity, where people are walking together, where they're learning how to work together and work in harmony together. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25, Jesus himself said, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined or destroyed, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Jesus basically said, there's nothing beneficial that can come out of division. And he points us to the place of unity. 
And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 25 and 26, Paul the Apostle jumps into the action. And using the human body as an illustration, something that we can all understand, Paul says this, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part or one member suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Another way to say all of what I just said in those verses of scripture is we're all in this together. We're in the same boat. We're a company. We're a community. We're a crew. And that's where God will charge his blessing. That's where God dwells, is in that place of unity. Now, the Bible records the very first human crisis way back in the book of Genesis, the early chapters of the book of Genesis. Does anybody uh, know what I'm referring to when I say that first crisis, the first human crisis? If you thought or if you said the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, you're in pretty good company. Because when asked that question, when I was asked it, that's how I responded. In fact, in a recent survey, 95% of all the people involved, mostly preachers and pastors, they said the very same thing. They said that the first human speed bumper crisis was the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden. However, before Adam and Eve disobeyed God, recorded in Genesis chapter 3, God made a very odd and strange statement in Genesis chapter 2. And you know Genesis chapter 2 comes before Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 2, in verse 18, God says, it is not good. Repeat that. It is not good. So during his creation account... God makes this statement, it is not good, in Genesis 2.18. Prior to that, in response to everything that God had created, everything he made, put in place, and spoke into existence, the Bible says, and the Lord saw that it was good. But you get to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8, and here's what it says. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man... He had formed. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone I will make a helper suitable for him. And you know the story. God put Adam to sleep. And while Adam was taking that little nap, God grabbed a rib, the one closest to his heart, and from Adam's rib, he fashioned a woman, Eve. And then God masterminded the very first arranged marriage. See, it was God's idea. Maybe we should get back to that. God presented the woman to the man and God said, for this cause or for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. 
And when you follow the narrative of God's creation recorded in the book of Genesis, after day one, when God spoke light into existence, when he said, let there be light, the Bible says, and God saw that it was good. After day two, when God divided the waters from the earth, the Bible says, and God saw that it was good. After day three, when God created the plants and the trees, and God saw that it was good. After day four, when God established the seasons, and God saw that it was good. After day five, when God made the animals and the birds, the scripture says, and God saw that it was good. But on day six, following the miracle of marriage, remember what the scripture says? And God saw that it was very good. Not just good, but excellent. And in the scripture, those two words, in the Hebrew, very good, they basically mean you can't do any better than that. That's the very best you can do. And tell me again, why did God do all of this? Why did he make them male and female and bring Adam and Eve together? Because in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, after God put the man in the garden in the perfect environment and he watched the man work that garden, immediately he knew something was wrong and something was amiss. And it prompted God to say, it is not good for man or for my creation to dwell alone. Those nine words, those powerful nine words, it is not good for man to dwell alone are written in the scripture on purpose to grab our attention. And yes, this statement is extremely important when it comes to marriage, but it has tremendous implications with all of human relationships in every regard. It is not good, God said, for man to be alone. It is not good to be isolated from other human beings. And do you want to know why? Because when God created us, when he looked at us, when he considered us, he knew he had created us for community. Can I get you to say that? Uh, wipe the sleep out of your eyes and say, I was created for community. One more time. I was created for community. And if you're watching online, could I get you to just type that into the chat? One word, community. I was made, I was created for community. God said it, God declared it, he made it crystal clear. We are better together. But here's the paradox of our culture today. With social media and outrageously advanced technology, we are more connected with each other than we've ever been before. And yet we have never been as far apart. The pain, the real pain of loneliness and isolation today is an echo of the very first human crisis recorded in the book of Genesis. And right out of the starting gate, early on, written on the introductory pages of the scripture is God's unmistakable mantra for all humanity. It is not good. It is not well. It is not healthy to be alone. And one of God's greatest gifts to the human race is a loving church community. 
a place where we can gather together, worship Him, grow spiritually together, do life with one another, walk alongside of each other and carry one another's burdens. You see, the fact is we are, all of us, in this together. This is a concept that God revealed to us, that he articulated to us. He made a big deal about it all the way in the very beginning of the Bible. Now, I want to show you a little video clip taken from the animated movie Ice Age. And in this little clip, you're going to see four different characters. First, there's a woolly mammoth named Manfred, or Manny. Then there's a sloth by the name of Sid, a saber-toothed tiger who goes by the name of Diego, and a cute little baby boy named Roshan or Pinky. Now, these three unlikely animal companions, they all hook up, and they're on a mission together to return little Pinky to his father. And along the way, on their adventure and on their mission, they encounter a crisis. So I want you to check it out. All right, keep in mind the animals, they're trying to return Pinky to his father. They're trekking across mountainous terrain of ice and snow when they come face to face with an erupting volcano. The heat from the lava melts the ice fields, putting Diego at risk. And just about the time that it looks as though Diego's gonna meet his maker, you know, go to tiger heaven, that's when Manny moves into action. And Manny pulls off a daring, life-saving rescue. And Diego, realizing how much danger was involved there, and being moved by his bravery and courage, he says to Manny, why did you do that? Don't you know you could have died trying to save me? And Manny responds and says, that's what you do when you're a part of a herd. You look out after each other. And then Couch Potato Sid finally pipes up and says, I don't know about you guys, but we are one weird herd. <laughs> one strange herd. Let me ask you a question. Can you think of a better way to describe the church of Jesus Christ <laughs> other than one strange herd? Now I'm talking about a highly diverse group of people, different backgrounds, different personalities, Countless and contrary opinions on everything. And then also the, at times opposing and even conflicting doctrine and theology that we like to discuss passionately. These are the kinds of things that we get ourselves involved in all the time. And I'm not sure that we would even consider hanging out with each other or spending any time with one another except for the fact that we all have one thing in common. We love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our hearts and we have a deep desire to serve him and to honor him. And somewhere along the line, one way or another, we have all been changed and transformed by his amazing grace. And so there's no doubt about it, the church is one weird herd. And a herd can be defined 
as a group of people who all come together with a shared vision and a common interest. Shared vision and common interest. That's us. That's the church. The loving community that God has ordained for us all to be a part of. And Manny says, probably learned this from his Sunday school class, there's a way to live and there's a way to behave and there's a way to act when you're a part of a herd. You look after each other and you always do what's best for the herd. You always do what will benefit somebody else. Unfortunately for many, many people today, that particular mindset or attitude is unheard of. Yeah, I knew you would enjoy it. <laughs> Teacher. Pun intended, by the way. The unwritten law of personal advancement is to look out for number one. It's to always make sure that you get the better deal and the other guy gets the short end of the stick. But that's not the law of Christ. The scripture says the law of Christ is to carry one another's burdens. That's the law of love. And so just before we receive communion this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you three heard appropriate passages of scripture for you to contemplate. These verses of scripture teach us how to live and how to act when we're a part of community. And all I'm going to do this morning is to read these verses. That's it. I'm not going to comment on them. There's not going to be any uh, explanation of the verses. I'm not even going to repeat them. I'm just going to say them. I'm going to speak them. I'm going to let the word of God stand alone all by itself. Because how many of you know Hebrews says the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God doesn't need me to add my two cents. So for these particular verses of scripture, I'm just going to ask that you would listen. I'm going to read them slowly. The scripture that I'm about to read will teach you how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to live when we belong to a herd. And Father, I just pray that even though we've heard these verses so many times, even though some of us have memorized these passages and they might even be favorites of ours, and we quote them and we see them all the time, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do something deep in our hearts as we begin this Family Matters series and talk about the importance of the family, what you ordained for us, this very first lesson, how to live, how to act and behave in community, how to be a member of a church community and fulfill the law of Christ, which is to carry one another's burdens. I pray, Lord God, that these words wouldn't just be letters on a page, but they would become a part of our hearts. First one, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14. 12 through 14. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble. 
completely gentle, completely patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And finally, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Let's bow our heads and prepare for communion. Father, we thank you for giving us the gift of community. That's what you had in mind when you created us. You stopped the creation process before you had a chance to finish it. And you spoke it loud and clear in your word that it is not good. It is not good for us to be alone. And I pray, Lord God, that we would recognize there are so many lonely people who are isolated, so many who are hurting, so many who are struggling. Put a smile on their face, but deep down inside, they feel all alone. And I ask, Lord God, that you would teach us how to minister to the people around us, how to live, how to behave, how to act as a part of the herd where we always value others above ourselves. Where we learn these key principles and truths that work so well, Lord, when it comes to finding that place of unity and harmony. Because, Lord, that's where you said you drop your greatest blessing. It's in the place of unity. Division doesn't bring us much blessing but the place of unity where we can walk together in harmony, even though we're different, even though we don't agree, we don't have to have the same opinion or theology, but Lord, our hearts need to be in love and in tune with one another. I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would do something during this communion service. I thank you, Lord God, for every member here. I trust that they would sense how valuable and how important and significant they are to you. Scripture says it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper had ended, Jesus took the cup and again he gave thanks. He passed the cup to his disciples, said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death till he comes. Now, last month during the May communion service, I called your attention to the communion service as a covenant meal. Do you remember that? I said, it's more than just bread and juice. It's a reminder of what covenant is really all about. In fact, on two occasions when Jesus instituted the communion service, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you gather together, every time you receive communion and you remember 
what it's all about. I want you to recall my death on the cross. I want you to think about my death. I want you to recall everything that I've done for you. Because Jesus said, with my death on the cross and with the blood that I shed on the cross, I established a brand new covenant relationship. I've entered into this covenant relationship with you. And last month I reminded you, we'll go ahead and wait till everybody here has communion because then we can go back to listening rather than being distracted. Do we have enough cups for everyone to have communion? Who doesn't have it? Thanks, Mike. We good? We have a couple other ones here. Can we have a few more communion cups, please? Anyone else who does not have a communion cup? Someone in the back? Okay, sorry about that. So Jesus, he made a big deal about this covenant relationship. He said, I want you to remember when you receive communion that I established a new covenant with you. And last month, I reminded you that by definition, covenant means all that I am and all that I have belongs to you. And that's what God wants for us. That's how God wants to treat us. He wants to give us his very best. And we can expect God to favor us. We can trust that God wants to bless us in every way. That's his part of the covenant. All that God is, all that he has belongs to us. That's what covenant means. But by the same token, all that we are and all that we have belongs to him. And Jesus said, as a part of the covenant relationship, I'm asking you to love. I appeal to you to love one another. And here's the most important part. I want you to love one another in the same way that I loved you. That's how I want you to treat one another, the same way that I treated you. I want you to act and behave toward one another the same way that I've acted toward you. And do you remember where Jesus said that or when he said it? Do you remember when Jesus gave that, commit, that commandment that we're to love one another as he loved us? It was during the communion service. When he instituted communion with his disciples and the scripture says he now showed them the full extent of his love. Loving one another. Accepting one another. Whether you agree with them or not. Whether you see eye to eye doctrinally with them or not. This is a command, not a suggestion, not a high recommendation. This is my command, Jesus said, a new command that I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So let me go ahead and just reread those three passages that I mentioned a few moments ago to try to get them like deep down in your soul. Clothe yourselves with compassion, 
with kindness and humility. Clothe yourselves with gentleness and patience. Bearing with one another, forgiving each other, forgiving exactly the way the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues that you have, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient and bearing with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Do nothing, not one thing, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. This is the way you live in a herd when you're part of a church community. This is how we act. This is how we behave, why we take risks. Why we follow the example that Jesus gave to us. And so this morning, right before we take the bread and the cup, which of the three main points from these verses would you like a little extra grace in? And when you sort through all those verses that I just read and you boil them all down, you sift through them and read between the lines, Paul was basically saying the way that we treat one another is with humility, patience, and forgiveness. Like the holy three. Humility, patience, and forgiveness. I need help in all three, but there's one I could use a little bit more grace in than the others. Father, we recall what you did for us over 2,000 years ago when you sent your son into this world, your own part of you, your only begotten son, to die on the cross that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Way back in the beginning of creation, you spoke a message loud and clear. You reminded us that we were created for community. You put your stamp of approval on marriage, and you also reminded us of how important it is to live in unity with one another brothers and sisters, friends, acquaintances, church members. And you gave us the instruction how to treat one another. You gave us the command to love one another. And then you said that you wanted us to respond to one another in the same way that you treated us, with humility patience and forgiveness help us Lord grace us change us what's most important is not being right being right with you 
I pray your blessing on the church community this morning, particularly for those who right now in this place, those who might be watching or listening, feel isolated and alone. The pain of their loneliness, Lord, is almost unbearable. I pray they would know there's a group of people who value them, who love them, and treat them the same way you have. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that we could live like this and follow your example. Amen. Let's take the bread and the cup together. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.